I'm reviewing here! Happy Friday, everybody! Hello, sorry, I had to take a sip of water. Welcome to another episode of I'm Reviewing Here, a podcast where I, Matthew Bussey, watches and reviews Sight and Sound's top greatest movies of all time. These movies were unveiled last year. They're unveiled every 10 years, and that is my summary of this. Just go read about it. Sight and Sound, I was going to make a joke that Sight and Sound is actually like... I was going to make like a sex joke, but it makes positively no sense. You see, the thing is, is that whenever I have jokes in my head, I always feel like there can be like a correlation between what I'm talking about, you know, kind of, or, or make it like a euphemism. And it makes no sense at all. Like, for example, I remember in college, I used to like, <laughs> this is so stupid. I used to tell my friends like, guys, sex, you know what it's like? It's like, uh, when you're down south and there's a hurricane and when the water of, of the hur- in the ocean is hitting the levee, that's sex. And they would be like, well, how? And I was like, well, when the water is hitting the levee, it's supposed to represent the, you know, the, the, the P going in the V. And they were like, that makes, wh- how? And I'm like, well, because it's going in and out, in and out, get it? And they were like, yeah, but a P, a, there's no hole in the levee though. So what, what do you, how is it going in? I, I don't know. I just think it's a cool image. You know, the water is hitting the levee, you know, pleasure is happening. I mean, hopefully consensual pleasure. Actually. Yeah. That's actually a really bad analogy because hurricanes, they're never consensual. Who wants a hurricane? No one wants a damn hurricane. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend anyone by that. All right. Let's get to it. Happy Friday, everybody. It has been a week. I'm not recording on a Friday uh, because I'm a liar. And that's the fun thing about when you podcast is that you can lie. You can tell people you're recording on this day when really it's another day. You can say you're one person when really you're another person. How do you know this is Matt Bussey talking? Because you guys probably think I'm a woman because everybody does. Yeah, it happened uh, yesterday or tomorrow. It hadn't happened in a while, but I forget who I called. Was it? Oh, you know, it might have been no i forget who i had to call this place i totally forget and of course it was going well and in the course of the very end thank you very much ma'am have a good rest of the day and then they hung up and i was like okay yeah i don't i yeah okay whatever that's kind of my reaction at this point i'm just like whatever no it's been a long week and it it, it's been a hard week you guys uh and and this is really like i believe in the universe and everything happening for a reason because you know i just moved into this place i've been here for uh i i had been here for a week and after the first week i went to the bathroom and i flushed the toilet and the back of the toilet started to leak it was like like it started to like splash onto the wall onto the back of the toilet on the ground. And I was like, well, great. Uh, I don't know how to do this. So I, um, you know, called a plumber, a very nice guy. He came very quickly. And of course, you know, like I have no luck at all. He came and he said, okay, well, yeah, your toilet is really, really old. That's why it's leaking. It's from 2010. Oh no. Okay. Well, can you fix it? No, I can't because this is too old and I don't have the part for it. So you have two options. Um, you can go to Home Depot and buy a toilet yourself and install it uh, for it's like a hundred bucks, or I can do it for you and it'll be a thousand dollars. What would you like? Uh, gee, hmm. No offense, but let me think. Like I know I, I know people are just doing their job, but whenever they offer me those two, I'm like, 
I, I have to go the cheaper route. Well, I also asked him to. I was like, putting a toilet together, how hard is it going to be? And he said, it's actually not that hard. And I Googled it, and I went on Home Depot, and they had videos, and YouTube had videos, and it looked pretty simple. I mean, I can, I can put a desk together. I mean, you know, yeah. No, really, I'm not being sarcastic. I can do it. So I got the toilet. It weighed a metric ton, and I was really, really strong, and I crawled it up the steps uh and i went to uh release the water supply line which is like that little cord that connects you know your the back of your tank to the water system and it was rusted shut i could not get it off for probably two hours i was twisting and twisting and twisting surprisingly did not get blisters sweating to death and i couldn't get it off and the toilet was already detached so i could not get the toilet back on and it was like seven o'clock at night and I was like, great. Um, well, I have to go back to Home Depot, but I'm too hungry and I have to go tomorrow. But what if I have to go to the bathroom tonight? <gasps> yeah, horrible. I mean, like, all right, I won't get gross. You know, people like piss in the shower all the time. So that I wasn't worried about, but I was worried about the other thing. I mean, what were to happen if I had to, you know, do that? Literally, these thoughts and images were manifesting in my head like, Oh God, like, do I like, oh, oh, I did not do it. No, I did not do it. I went to Home Depot the next day. I got the right supply line. The guy at Home Depot was in the, the worst mood possible. I was holding a water supply line, whatever it's called. And he came up to me, hey, what's up? And he had like an attitude. And I was like, hi, I'm just looking for this. I have to install my toilet. You got the wrong one. Follow me, okay? Come on. And I was like, oh, Okay. And then he was like, yeah, and he pointed to the right one and was looking at me like I had, you know, one ear, one eye, and one tooth. And I was like, where did that come from? I have no idea. Everyone has bad days, I get it, but, you know, whatever the hell. It's done. So that's been my week. But I'm kind of glad that I got the toilet on because now I feel very, very, like, manly. And I feel like I have the story now. And now in the future, if people are, like, whining to me, I can be like, well, uh, uh, stop being such a wuss. What are you doing sitting around eating chips? I put a toilet together, <clears throat> you know, like I can do that now. So that's kind of cool. You know, everything happens for a reason and the toilet works great. It's just incredibly wobbly. So I have to be careful when I sit on it. But, you know, besides that, it's all good. It flushes well. No leaks. <clears throat> Touch wood. Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. Anyway, let's get to today's movie because it is a doozy. Uh, it's a... <laughs> That's a bingo, Inglorious Bastards. Today, my friends, we're going to be reviewing... I always say we. Why the freaking hell do I always say we? I am going to be talking about uh, a very famous, epic Hollywood movie. This, my friends, is Intolerance.
Ooh, baby, did you hear that? Well, I hope you did. I hope you guys aren't skipping over trailers. I mean, like if they're, you know, in a foreign language, I can understand it. But yeah, this is a silent movie, Intolerance, uh, and it's a long one. It is, okay, well, there are several long versions of this movie. I watched the, I think this is the original long version. There are actually four versions of this film, which is totally uh, crazy. But, and of course, right when I get into this, I accident, I find out that I accidentally deleted the tab with my notes. Anyway, um, yeah, there are four versions of Intolerance. I watched the restored digital cinema version, RDCV. Oh, that sounds cool. Uh, yeah, which is nearly three hours long, but there are a whole bunch of different versions. Uh, the one, I watched the version on YouTube, but there is a version on Amazon Prime, and that one is much shorter, two hours, two minutes. So um, if you're not into long movies, you probably won't like this one, to be perfectly frank. Um, this one, did I like it? Yes, I liked it. I didn't love it. Uh, this is a very famous epic movie, and this movie came out in 1916, not 60, 1916. Holy potato cheese and balls. I mean, who thought movies even came out back then? Well, they did. They were kind of rare, but they did. And the man who was doing that, was who was releasing them, was a man named D.W. Griffith. Now, D.W., what do you think about when you hear that word? Come on, come on. You know what you're thinking of. Arthur. Hello, the show Arthur. His sister is DW. Remember the famous episode when they're locked in because it's a rainy day? It's or it, No, they're not locked in, but they can't play outside because it's raining. And so they're drawing and DW's like, what did you draw? And Arthur's like, a dog. And he's bored. What did you draw? And DW goes, a stick. And Arthur goes, a stick. And the DW goes, a stick from the park where you promised to take me today. Oh, epic. D.W. was a little biatch, though. I mean, come on. She was. I think we can all agree on that. Great show, though. D.W. Griffith, though, uh, was a man, and um, he was kind of a problematic director. Now, look, he... Oh, brother. Cancel culture. Here we go again. Look, D.W. Griffith was a very, very... You know, he's forever going to be an iconic director because his movies were so highly budgeted and the scope in his movies was to this day i mean like it's absolutely incredible and astounding to watch i mean all the extras and the colors and the the cinematography and the editing and you know scope scope is the only real word i can use to describe uh dw griffith's movie now dw griffith why was he problematic uh, I said this long ago, I think it was episode two when I talked about Pandora's Box, which was uh, another silent film, but which D.W. Griffith did not direct that, but D.W. Griffith, um, okay, let me start from the get-go. He was born in Kentucky, okay, in 1875, oh, okay, well, that is not too long after the Civil War, doesn't mean he was racist, though, not that that's... It's not fair to make that judgment. D.W. Griffith was the son of a Confederate Army colonel from the American Civil War. Okay. Um, well, that was his father. Doesn't mean that he, he believed the same things. You know, I kept thinking about that. In 1915, D.W. Griffith came out with a very famous movie called The Birth of a Nation. Very similar to Intolerance in Scope. Sorry, Scope. You're going to hear that word a million times in this episode. But, um... The Birth of a Nation is is quite possibly one of the most racist movies of all time. It is a, a Civil War movie 
uh, and the KKK are represented as the heroes in the movie, and the black people, the slaves in the movie, are represented as the villains. They're represented as, you know, one of them is represented as a rapist who causes a white woman to commit suicide. And I have not seen the th- uh, the movie the, all the way through. I've only seen bits of it. We had to watch a lot of bits from it in college because our professors would be like, well, look at that scene there. You know, that's a cool shot. Yeah, it's a cool shot. Um, it's also embarrassingly racist and when that movie came out uh people were pissed a lot of cities refused to show it the NAACP vehemently voraciously like voraciously I'm not using that word right they vehemently uh like chastised the movie and him for making it and rightfully so um because like you can't do that (laughs) I mean come on like you cannot make a movie where the KKK these assholes are heroes And that is the birth of a nation. There are scenes so shocking in that movie. It looks like a snuff film. I mean, literally, the movie ends, spoiler, it ends with the KKK, like, cheering all happily, and their their white wives are running up to them, and the music's like, oh, and then it ends. The end. Yeah, not cool. Um, Now, I have to talk about the movie. The birth of a nation is not on this list. I don't think so. Uh, And now, Intolerance... Don't worry, Intolerance is a much more appropriate movie, and it's a, well, again, I haven't seen Birth of a Nation all the way through, but I think it's a better made movie uh, because of what it's trying to say. But Intolerance was made as a response to the backlash Griffith got for The Birth of a Nation. But his reasoning for making Intolerance was a little ridiculous, because he basically was like, well, I I read about this. He was like, well, I made the movie because people just didn't understand The Birth of a Nation, so I wanted to make a movie to that, you know, calm them down a little bit. Buddy, just just own up to the fact that you made... You see, I think back then, D.W. Griffith, because racism was so socially acceptable for, in so many states back then, he probably, I think, just flat out denied that. And, you know, that's why he had to make that BS excuse. But did he enjoy making Intolerance? Did he? Was it actually a passion project? Well, it was. It was. Um, I mean, it's three hours for crying out loud. And when I get to the story of what it what it's all about, it, there's it's pretty remarkable. It really is remarkable. And you know what? I was not... Um, I wasn't really offended by any of it. You know, you watch a lot of like, you watch a lot of old movies, and certain minorities are treated like you know horse crap. Uh, I mentioned that one movie. Uh, oh my god, the cowboy movie with Henry Fonda. I totally forget the name of it. It's blanking right now. But you know, there's a scene where a Native American is treated like a complete bimbo in that scene. And, you know, that happens a lot. But in this movie, Intolerance, though, I didn't notice any of that. So what is this movie about? Um, you know, it's very funny. I tried, I took notes on this movie. I tried to follow the story and this is all I got. So the movie is, uh, there are four stories in this movie. All I wrote for the, for the synopses when I was watching this movie is this story one, Miss Jenkins, That's all I got. That's the only part of this movie that I understood. I did not get it. Now, that's why this probably... I like this movie a lot, but it's not one of my favorites because it is... It is... It is, like, filled with so much context and information, and it's so over the top. And, like, 
over the top in facts and, okay, here's what's happening here. Here's the historical context here that you need to know. Okay, next scene. Uh, just so you know, oh, parentheses, this, uh, this had just happened to that emperor. That, that is this whole movie. This whole movie, there are so many, you know, title cards and t uh, subtitles that come up explaining the current history that each story is set in and what's happened. It makes zero freaking sense to me. I did not follow it at all. I, I, I admit, look, I was a little slightly distracted while watching this movie, but you know, I did, especially for like the last two hours, like sit down and, and watch it, uh, you know, without looking away. And I still had trouble following it. So it's four stories in one movie, uh, and the problem. Also, the the main reason why this is such a hard movie to follow is because the stories are all. It's not like story one, story two, story three, story four. They're all told, you know, out of chronological order. You know, so they're all mixed. The one sequence, there's one sequence that shows again and again and again. That's kind of that shows like the break between the time periods, and it's a scene of this woman. She's only known as uh, eternal. Uh, she's she's referred to as the eternal motherhood, and she is this mother rocking this uh, cradle with a baby inside, and it's kind of like a wide-angle shot. You don't even see her face up close. I think she was played by a very famous uh, silent actress named Lillian Gish. Uh, she was she's known as the first lady of American cinema. She lived to be ninety-nine. Holy crap. Uh, yeah, but she was very famous back then. She also was in, I think she was in, oh yeah, she was in The Birth of a Nation too. Lillian, what you doing, girl? Come on. Ugh, anyway, um, so yeah, that shot of the, uh, of the eternal motherhood rocking the baby, whenever you see that shot, you know that it's, it's gonna go to the next story and the different settings. So, that helped a little bit, but I still did not understand each of the stories and what's going on. There's a lot of history in this in each of the stories. There's a lot that you need to know. If you're a history major, if you're a European history major, if you're a religious studies major, or if you're just incredibly intelligent and not like me, then you'll probably understand the, the stories a lot better. But um, I had trouble. But you know what? For like the first half hour, I admit, I was like, Jesus Christ, and I have another... Uh, two and a half hours of this, am I going to make it? I did make it through it. You know, Intolerance, I couldn't follow any of it, but I was very entertained nonetheless. I was entertained by, I'm going to say the word again, the scope. The production of this movie is absolutely incredible. It's insane. It's, it's, uh, and the movie actually put, uh, it basically put D.W. Griffith and made him bankrupt. He spent so much making it. Uh, the film had an $8.4 million budget. This is 1916 when this movie came out. Remember that. So $8.4 million um, in today's standards, that's like, you know, what, like inflation. That's like probably at least like $200 million. It would be like Michael Bay, like directing a movie. Like, honestly, that was like the scope of, of this when it came out. So... I mean, the willpower it took to build the sets in this movie and everything is is uh, out of this world. And um, so, you know, I really liked it for that. I really, really did. Um, visually, it is just absolutely, it's a marvel to behold. It's just a marvel to look at. Um, it's a marvel to understand that any of this got made. Uh, it, it is. So, I mean, it is a classic movie. It really, really is. And I, I, I do respect it. Um, I really do. And I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, 
I would encourage you to watch it, but I don't know, especially if you don't like movies, silent movies especially, I don't know if you would totally make it through it. But um, it's funny, I'm laughing right now because I just made a note. I don't know why the hell I said this, but I wrote, the production scale is indubitably top-notch. <laughs> I always want to use that word indubitably because it's so fun to say. Indubitably, 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 incontrovertibly, indubitably, you Son of a bitch, you know, like that. It's a fun. I would love to use that in everyday conversation, but I can't. Never comes up. So intolerance. I'm going to get into each of the stories. Um, so this movie, you know, its original title was Intolerance: Love Struggle Throughout the Ages. This is a very, very poetic movie. Uh, it was. Sorry, I lost track for a second. D.W. Griffith. He co-wrote it with a whole bunch of other people, but yeah, essentially though, it is about you know, each story and how some form of intolerance causes all this destruction. Now, intolerance, that's a pretty big word. Intolerance is obviously, well, need I explain it, something that's not tolerable, you know, something that is bad. <laughs> I mean, it's a negative word, you know, so it's about that. Uh, the movie starts off by saying, you know, this is a uh, a movie with four separate stories. They're laid in different periods of history. Each story shows how hatred and intolerance have battled against love and charity. Aww. So what are the stories? Uh, they're, uh, they, they each take place during vastly different times in history. So there's a story set in 539 BC in uh, Babylon. It's the Babylonian story. Uh, conflict. What is the conflict? Well, basically... There are two princes. There's Prince Belshazzar of Babylon, and then there's Cyrus the Great of Persia. They don't like each other. Why don't like why don't they like each other? Because this is back in the day. This is Babylonian times. Everyone had an issue with each other. That's my land. That's my wife. What you doing? Everybody. The, the fight, I'm so frigging grateful. Even though we had to live through a pandemic, I'm so glad I'm not living back then. That's an example too. Like that this movie, it reminds you, like, remember how good especially wherever you are right now, how good you have it, um, honestly. Because, yeah, Babylonia, Jesus Christ, I, or Babylon, I would not want to live there. So, yeah, they don't like each other. There uh, is this woman who is basically trying to, um, you know, like, I don't know, like save everybody. Uh, she's pretty badass. Um, and, you know, it. you see the fall of Babylon, um, essentially. That's what happens, you know, bit by bit throughout the movie. Um, and it basically is because there are two groups of people in Babylon who each one prays to one, to, to different gods. And that's why they hate each other. Yeah. One group prays to Ishtar and another group, pay, uh, uh, another group prays to a god named Belmarduk. I've never heard of Belmarduk. I have heard of Ishtar because it was a very, famously horrendously bad movie that cost a million dollars to make and didn't make any money this movie too intolerance uh did not make a lot of money when, when it came out and that was pretty interesting um to read you want to know why because this came out during world war one uh so people a didn't want to see a three-hour movie because remember this is 1916 this is really before like silent films were super super popular so people were like i'm not staying sitting in a movie for that long and also world war one was happening a lot of people did not want to see a movie about how tolerance is great they were distracted there was a war going on 
they didn't want to see a movie that, you know, was actually a very positive movie. They, they just didn't want to see that. So it's kind of a shame, honestly, because uh, this movie probably could have really, um, <laughs> this movie could have saved and ended World War One. No, it couldn't have. But it probably, I think, if, if people really did see it back then who were, well, they couldn't have seen it if they were fighting in World War One, because like it's not like if you were in the trenches you could like go to a movie theater. But you know what I mean. It's a movie with a really positive message. It's about how you know we all just need to get along, and war is bad, and we all need to be happy and nice and polite. You know. So that's why it didn't do well. Um, that was pretty interesting to read. And what's even sadder is that because it didn't do well, Griffith later. Uh, made two separate movies out of footage from this. He did one movie about the ba- with all the Babylonian scenes, and that was called The Fall of Babylon. And he did another part of the movie, which I'm going to get into, called The Mother and the Law. They both came out in 1919. They both also did not make a lot of money. So, sad. It's really, really sad. But you know what? Look at this. All these years later, and I'm talking about it on a podcast. So, um, wow, wait. This was... Four, five, six, a hundred and this movie is a hundred and seven years old. Damn. I fixed the toilet and I just watched, I literally just watched a hundred and seven year old movie all in the same week. Wow. I'm going to sleep well tonight. I know I really am. That is, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. I'm a brave man. Anyway. Um, yeah. So Babylon, that's the first story. Second story is a Jesus story. This takes place uh, in AD 27. Um, It basically, and there aren't a lot of scenes with Jesus. Uh, This this story is not, I feel like it was like D.W. Griffith's least favorite one to film probably. But um, it's all about these events leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, and two events in particular, and these I didn't know about because I'm Jewish and I don't study Jesus. Uh, but there are two events. There's uh, the wedding at Cana, Cana, C-A-N-A. If you're Christian or Catholic or whatever you identify as and you know this, please forgive me. And if you're Jewish and you know this, please forgive me as well. But the wedding at uh, C-A-N-A, that's all I'm going to call it, um, it is in the gospel of John. And it's basically this story where Jesus and his mother went to this wedding and there wasn't enough water left. So Jesus uses little magic powers and he turned the water into wine. That would be so good. I want my own Jesus in this house right this second because wine is so expensive and I keep buying the cheap kind. So there's that incident. And there's also, uh, there's a story in the new Testament called Jesus and the woman taken in adultery or the pericope adulterae. No, pericope adulterae. Okay, Jesus Christ, I'm giving myself a headache doing that. Um, yeah, that is another story that is in the Bible, or just, you know, one of the religious texts. New Testament, I'm sorry. Now, in this passage, uh, Jesus is doing his thing with the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees, they were the groups of Jews uh, in the time period. And, you know, Jesus was doing his thing, teaching, pontificating, probably, come on, he probably did that a lot. Everybody loved him. Everybody pontificates a little bit, but the Pharisees, they brought in a woman and they went, yo, this woman, she's a, she's a hoe. She, uh, was being unfaithful. What should we do, Jesus? And Jesus basically says, um, okay, well, I have an idea. The one, anyone here who doesn't have sin should be the one to throw a stone at her. Uh, Jesus, that's still not played. But anyway, everybody left because nobody had sins. So it was just Jesus and the woman. I don't really get like how this, where like 
that how this like is tethered to what I just said, you know, in the story, but Jesus basically asked the woman if um, anyone had condemned her. And when she said no, he said, okay, that's cool. Whatever. I don't condemn you either. You're free to go. We won't throw a stone at you. Uh, okay. So, I mean, pontificating, am I right? Jesus, come on, dude. I mean, Jesus probably got laid so much. I mean, honestly. But um, you don't see any sex in this. But uh, that scene, those two scenes, though, they, you know, are a big part in this. And they lead to the crucifixion of Jesus. Third story is a French story. This takes place in 1572. Um, it is all about everything leading up to the same uh, the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre. What was that? Oh, going back to 12th grade, AP European history, Mr. Simpson, he thought I was paying attention. I clearly wasn't, but I do remember these terms and it was a little like nostalgic reading about this. But if you don't know, the Bartholomew's Day Massacre, wow, say that 10 times really fast. Bartholomew's Day Massacre, Bartholomew's Day Massacre. That was a massacre of the Protestant Huguenots, uh, which were just a group of French Protestants, Basically, it's all you need to know. Um, they were killed by uh, a group of Catholics. Um, what kind of Catholics were these people? I forget. They were just Catholics. They were mad. There was Catholics and Protestants. We all know they never got along. They still don't get along. So we see that in that and in that story, and that is a you know that story, and especially the Babylon story. That is where you see the production of all of this movie, which is just so remarkable. I found a really disturbing um, fact about the actor who played Jesus. So he was this British guy. His name was not um, in the credits. Why? Because he became involved in a sex scandal where he had sex with a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. True story. Anyway, people are so stupid. I, um... I can't believe it. I also found some also pretty awesome trivia about, um, uh, not that the previous trivia was not awesome. Sorry. No, that previous trivia is gross. This trivia though. So the fight scenes, first of all, the, also the fight scenes in the Babylon story and the, um, St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre story, they're so brutal. They are so violent. And I don't know how Griffith got away with it. I mean, truly you see people getting stabbed. You see people like, dying i mean it's insane it is so of course it's fake you know but like for back then i mean imagine how shocking that must have been to see it on the big screen and these actors too they got really into it a lot of them i think it was like 60 or something i forget the exact number i forgot to write it down but um they got so into character that a lot of them really ended up hurting each other like by accident uh but it was all worth it because they got two dollars a day for their work on film. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Getting a lot of Babylon movie vibes when I was watching this movie. Babylon, the Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie movie that just came out. Yeah, if you love old movies, Bab well, Babylon you might not like. It was very divisive when it came out. But uh, this is all that. So, uh, yeah. Amazing, though. Really, really amazing. The fourth story uh, confused me quite a bit. So this is set in modern times. This is the modern story. It's set in 1914 America. This is really a story about uh, the intolerable rich and how they treat the poor people like crap. And it follows this mill worker, this mill owner, excuse me, not a worker. He's an owner. Uh, he 
basically cuts his workers pay like salary down by 10%, I think. And they get really, really mad. And he and this woman, they run away. They're known as the boy and the dear one. Now that's the important thing. None of the people in these movies have actual names. And Griffith did that intentionally, I think because he just wanted them to be emblematic of just ordinary people, you know, that kind of definitely adds to the whole, uh, the whole, I keep using the word poetry, but it's like not the right word, but you guys know what I mean. You know, it really leads to, to the whole, the whole, uh, artistic merits of this film. How about that? That makes more sense. But in the modern story yet, yeah, so the boy and the dear one, they run off, uh, they move, they get really, really poor. He turns to a life of crime. He gets arrested. The woman is left with, uh, you know, their baby and the people that organize the strike against him, they basically come and they are like, you know, your boss, your husband or whatever, he sucks. We're going to take the baby. And they, it's a really horrible scene. They take the baby from the crib. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see the poster that I use for this. Well, and also on the podcast, the one of the woman screaming, no, that's her baby getting taken away. Uh, but you know, uh, more stuff happens, which I honestly can't even remember. There's an attempted rape. Uh, there's another scene I wrote down that was really shocking. In the French Bartholomew's Day Massacre story, one of the, I think it's, yeah, one of the Huguenots, or uh, may have been a Catholic, I couldn't tell. They all were, like, wearing armor. He stabs a woman, like, one of, like, the leads in that story, and it is so brutal. And you can tell that when he stabs her, he's just putting it through the side. You know, it's a tricky way tricky way of filming, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's shocking though. It's shocking. And also, you know, the, the color palette, the color palette in D.W. Griffith's movie is a really striking, conspicuous thing that he does. He does it a lot in The Birth of a Nation and in this movie as well. Um, and in his other movies, he did a movie called Way Down East in 1920, which I have not seen, but it's a very famous, uh, there's a very famous moment in that movie. I don't think it's on the list though. But yeah, the color palettes in this film is are uh, really remarkable. I mean, we're talking like one of the stories, I think it's the modern story, is like sepia-toned. It's like, you know in The Wizard of Oz, before she goes, before she gets sucked into the twister, it's sepia? It's like that, basically. Uh you know, one of the stories is the color is tinted like like a almost like a light red. You know, one of the stories is like green, and and uh, he he does that. He does that. So three hours long, intolerance. Um, what do I make about it? Epic movie, absolutely, truly puts the e in epic. Uh, it's become. A very, very famous movie. In 2007, the American Film Institute added it to their top 100 greatest movies of all time. It's talked about more. I'm glad that people are talking about it more than The Birth of a Nation. Um, I still have issues with D.W. I mean, he's, he died, obviously, but, you know, D.W. Griffith, I just, it is, I, I have issues just, as you can tell, I mean, I get very irritated when people are like, I'm not saying like movies need to get canceled, but it bothers me when people are like, well, it doesn't matter. Like that's what it was like back then. So you, it's like, uh, it's what like, it's what it was like back then, but it, we should still talk about how it's really, you know, shitty part of my French, but you know, so I keep getting into this movie. I'm sorry. <sighs> it's the toilet. I'm thinking about the toilet and the long week I've had, but, uh, intolerance love struggles throughout the ages. Uh, a lot of history to this movie, 
a lot of stuff, a lot of context. Are you going to understand the movie? You might. If you don't understand it, is it going to be a total letdown? It might be. It wasn't for me, though. I stuck with it, and I'm very happy I saw it. I'm very happy and proud that I saw this movie, and it is just a very magically shot film. This is a movie that reminds us of how long movies have been around and how they're always going to be around, and it's great. It really is good. So I recommend it a lot. Like I said, uh, Intolerance, there are a whole bunch of different versions. The version on Amazon Prime is the two-hour version. But if you go on YouTube, they have a bunch of other versions. They have the three-hour version. They have a version that I think is like two hours 45, I think. I might I might have that wrong. I'm sorry. But uh, if I were you, watch the three-hour version. Watch the original version, honestly. It is good. It's real. It's restored really, really well. And I recommend it. And if you're trying to get into movies more, challenge yourself. Challenge yourself to this movie and watch it. Understand how, like, unbelievable it must have been. Literally unbelievable, you know, to make a movie like this back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the friggin' day. I don't know why I said that three times. That was not planned. But highly recommend it. Um, and yeah, that, my friends, is Intolerance. Wow, what an episode. I say that all the time, too. What an episode. Do I say it all the time? I don't know. It's really late. It's 10.25 p.m. right now. I got to go to sleep. Guys, this was really fun. It's always fun. Uh, I can't see you, but I like to imagine that you're all in a crowd and you're you're cheering and, you know, you got your popcorn and you're not throwing stuff at me because I can get really annoying and I do talk forever. So thank you for tuning into this episode of I'm Reviewing Here. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. New episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. The next movie is four and a half hours long. So I really am looking forward to that. No, really, I am. Um, I It's a movie that looks very, very fascinating, and I'm looking forward to it. So, yes, new episodes three times a week, unless I can't find the movie. Follow me on Instagram at I'm Reviewing Here, or you can follow me personally at Mabusi, M-A-B-U-S-S-Y. It's my last name. Hardy, hardy, heart. Laugh all you want. I don't give a shit. People think I'm a woman, and then they make fun of my last name. So... I have no Fs left to give at this point. So please follow, you guys. This is so much fun. And I really hope that, you know, my input is encouraging and helpful to you. And I really hope that you are checking out these movies and you're not just, you know, listening out of boredom or whatever. Um, I love movies so, so much. And that's why I started this podcast. It's so much fun to analyze and break down movies. I love to do it. And now I just got to find a mate to do it with, to talk about it with, not to do it what and to do it with but not okay all right i think i gotta go bye